Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode um, of the Outspoken Podcast. Um, super excited to be back at it again today. Um, I took a little break for a while, but recent events, <laughs> the events of the last couple of months, have sort of encouraged me to come back to podcasting and put out some episodes for you guys because I think we have some stuff that we need to discuss. So, um, I'm going to just record this episode and then I'm just going to see if I can post it. So hopefully my microphone doesn't cut out or anything. So here we go. Um, so a lot has happened over the past few months and it may feel that we the people have lost our voice and the ability and the desire to be heard, which is understandable considering the fact that we have state representatives and legislators as well as members of Congress who ignore calls and emails and votes and rallies and petitions and everything. They ignore us. It seems like they ignore us. They are not willing, not interested in hearing the voice of the people. And it seems that when they do hear us, even when they do um, know that we are talking to them, they do what they want to anyway. At least that's what I'm seeing and that's how I've, you know, how I've been feeling like things are going. So, but there's quite a few people out there who are of a why bother mindset. It doesn't do any good anyway. Talk is cheap. You know, they don't listen. We can't get through to them. That being said, I think we can agree that the time for talk is over. And that we have an installed vice president who doesn't fulfill any of the duties of her office. And we have an installed president who is a bumbling, incoherent mess half the time. And there's a lot of discouragement and feelings of helplessness these days. And there's those of us, myself included, who are opposed to um, much of the things that we are being told that we have to comply with these days. Not going to go into detail, but, you know, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, blah, blah, blah. And we feel like we have been circumvented. The people have been overridden by our government. And these things come down anyway. And we feel like there's no way to fight them. There's no way to say no anymore. I know a bunch of people who are just as upset and just as dissatisfied with the way things are going now as I am, but they don't know what to do about it. So, that being said, I'm going to give you some things to do about it today. And that's why I've titled this episode, Steps to Take to Regain Our Voice, and What Can We Do to Take Action Today? I'm going to answer that question, the what can we do. I'm going to answer that question for you right now. So I'm super excited to be sharing this with you um, because with each solution or step of action that I'm going to suggest to you, 
I'm also going to take you directly to the United States Constitution and read you the amendment that backs up the action that I'm going to give you. And I'm going to read to you the amendment that gives you, the people, legal grounds to take that action. So, the three main points that we'll be looking at, just a really quick agenda here, the three main points that we're going to be looking at are the importance of arming yourself, and arming yourself right now, and your right to vote, and your your First Amendment rights, and your right to run for government offices and give these career dinosaur politicians a run for their money. The fact that we have politicians in Congress today who have been there 40, 50, 60 years, who are 60, 70, 80 years old, is disgusting. Politics was not ever meant to be a lifetime thing. That's why we have term limits. That's why the Founding Fathers put those term limits in place. Okay? So we're going to talk about some of that kind of stuff today. So go ahead and grab a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, snack, whatever you want to do, sit back, relax, and we're going to have this discussion. <clears throat> so the first item on the agenda is the First Amendment, which states that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So, uh, keep that last bit in your mind, to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Hold on to that thought for just a second. Now let's jump over to the Declaration of Independence. What does the Declaration of Independence say? Well, in the Declaration, the Founding Fathers publicly gave multiple reasons to the King of Great Britain for breaking away and becoming independent. Towards the end of the Declaration of Independence, they state this, In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for a redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions, repeated petitions, have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to rule a free people. So, they tried to make their voices heard, and they were ignored. They tried on multiple different occasions to get through to this man, this king of Great Britain, who ignored them and, in fact, made things worse as he went along. Am I right? I encourage you to read the Declaration of Independence and look at the specific grievances that the Founding Fathers aired in that document. Um... So they tried to make their voices heard, and it didn't work. It didn't work. So they walked away, and they became independent and became a force to be reckoned with. Can we agree that the United States today, this country, is still 
a force to be reckoned with. I believe it. I truly believe that in spite of everything that's been going on in this country for the last year or two, the last several months, specifically the last several months, I still believe that the United States is the greatest nation on the planet because we are still a free people. The the documents that laid out the law of the land for this country, the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights, which is the first five amendments of the United States Constitution, those documents still give the rights and the power to the people. They take the power to govern and lay it at the people's feet, which is amazing. And therein lies our power. Therein lies our greatness. So the Declaration of Independence was not drafted as an initial encounter with the tyrannical king of Great Britain. It was the last straw. Negotiations were closed. The time for talk was over. Okay? So, this was, um, this was a result of failed previous attempts to reason with this person who was unreasonable. And that is why we became the United States. That is why we became independent. So, all of that being said, now let's go back to the First Amendment for a second, which says um, we have a right to redress our government for grievances. Now, unfortunately, we cannot just write a Declaration of Independence, issue it to the government we have today, and walk away from the United States and branch off, because that would create a revolution or a civil war, which <laughs> we tried both of those things before, and they were ugly. And that would tear this country right down the middle. You can't have a country within a country. There is nowhere else for us to go. We have to stand our ground here. We, as Americans, cannot flee to a more free country. At least, not necessarily one that I know of. If you know of one, let me know. <laughs> But, so back, back to the First Amendment, um, in, the, in that amendment and in the Declaration of Independence, there's a word that appears, and I'd like to define that word, which is redress. So this word is both a noun and a verb. Um, redress used as a verb, um, the action of redress is defined as to remedy, to set right, an undesirable or unfair situation. Synonyms include words like rectify, correct, make right. So, um, and then redress used as a noun is defined as remedy or compensation for a wrong or grievance. Synonyms include payment, reparation, compensation. So, in the First Amendment, and according to the First Amendment, we are well within our constitutional rights to petition the government to make our voices heard 
when they are out of line. So we not only do we have the ability to approach our government and say, we have been treated unfairly, we have gotten the short end of the stick, not only do we have that ability, but we, as the people, we can take that one step further and say, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to repay us for for getting the short end of the stick? You did not do your job. Now, what are you going to do about it? We have been given that right, and we must claim it. So, we can we can go to our government today through email, through letters, um, calls, you know, phone calls. We can reach out to them, and we can respond to them. And we need to do it when they are out of line. But also, we need to th- remember to thank them when they do something that we agree with or when they try, honestly try, to do what we ask them to do. We need to temper our correction with um, thankfulness to a certain degree. <laughs> so, but let's not say, oh, well, they don't listen anyway or, you know, a petition isn't going to go anywhere or accomplish anything. They don't answer our calls. Let us not be of a why bother mindset because that will not accomplish anything. That is a dangerous mindset. And it's important that a government hears from its people. And a government that refuses to hear from its people must be replaced. It must be replaced when they refuse to listen to their people because that smacks of tyranny. It's arrogant, it's disrespectful, and it's when they, when they hear us but ignore us, that's taking the bit in their teeth and doing what they want to anyway, and that is not okay. That is not what this country is intended for. So it's important that a government hears from its people because a government that refuses to listen and to hear from its people no longer has the interest of its people at heart. All they're thinking about is how they can get ahead and how to accomplish what they want to accomplish, not accomplishing what we want them to accomplish for us. So that being said, even if you feel like it may not do any good, you need to write and call and message and email the elected officials of your state and talk to them. If they don't want to hear from you, Vote them out, but don't be passive. Vote them out if they're not going to listen to you. Now, you may not always get what you want, but you need to demand that they make it very clear to you where they stand. So, um, I'm going to try to tell this story really quickly. So, earlier this year... um, the Senate voted to impeach Trump. There was, you know, this big hullabaloo again. They invoted, they impeached him a second time. Um, my, I don't know if she's a state rep or whatever, but in my state of Washington, we have Jamie Herrera Butler, and she is a Republican, 
claims to be a Republican. Personally, I don't believe she is, but she says she's a Republican, and she voted in favor of impeaching a Republican president, Donald Trump, right? That did not sit well with me. That made me more upset at her than I already was because she's an idiotic airhead who does not know how to fulfill her office. She's way out of her league. And so I was not happy with her at all. In fact, I was fuming. So she heard from me. You better believe it. I emailed her. She didn't email me and ask what I thought. I emailed her and told her what I thought. And I asked what she thought she was doing. I was trying to understand her train of thought. I wanted to hear from her. I needed to see the reasoning behind her agreeance to impeaching a president who was on his way out of the White House anyway. And I said a lot more to her than that, but, and she, and I demanded to hear back from her. I didn't say, oh, when it's convenient for you, you know, I said, you will answer me. I demand an answer to all of these questions that I listed in my email. And I heard back from her, which was, which was great. I didn't respond to her after that, but I heard back from her. Which was, you know, which was good. But you need to hold their feet to the fire and demand that they answer you because they will. And if they don't, again, vote them out. So I contacted her for that grievance that I had against her. And then um, a few months ago, she sent me an email or I got an email from her office uh, inviting me to some rally, to some... Something or other she wanted me to participate in or she wanted me to sign whatever. I don't know. But I emailed her back. I responded to her this time and I said, take me off your list until you do your job. You know where I stand with you. You know now what I think of you. Take me off your list until you are willing to take your job seriously. Because if you don't, Someone else is going to come along and do a better job than you. So that is an example of um, demanding compensation, demanding an answer, redressing a grievance. Okay, so we you can do this. That is something that you can do today. All right, now moving on. <clears throat> so now the next item on the agenda, which is the Second Amendment. Uh, the Second Amendment states, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And I have that last part there in capitals. So, first and foremost, I want to talk to those of you really quick who say that the First Amendment only refers to hunting or whatever. That's wrong. It says nothing about hunting. Absolutely nothing. I've heard people say, oh, well, back then, you know, they had to have guns and whatever for, for hunting and, and getting their food. That was how they got their food. True. But the First Amendment says nothing about hunting. Nothing whatsoever. 
put that out of your head. It did say that the right of individual people to arm themselves shall not be taken away, shall not be questioned, shall not be circumvented, shall not be thwarted, shall not be infringed. So, it is our right as individual people to keep and bear arms, to obtain, legally of course, to obtain guns, to protect ourselves from the government and from enemies foreign and domestic. Correct? So, now the part where it says... <clears throat> The part where it says, necessary to the security of a free state, it could be talking about a literal state, you know, protecting the states that they had at the time um, from outside forces, you know. Um, but I like to think of it this way. A state of freedom being necessary to the security of a state of freedom if we want to remain a free country where we can think for ourselves and not be taken over or commanded by an outside force, then we have to keep and bear arms. It's that simple. If you are uncomfortable with the concept of carrying a gun, or if your religion or code of ethics forbid it, then fine. That's, that's you, you know. But I would say to you, you may want to do some serious thinking about that and try to realize just how important it is for us to retain this particular right because once it's gone, it's going to be very hard and it's going to be a very long time before we get it back. And if we lose that right, there will be no getting it back without a lot of bloodshed. I'm telling you right now, and I know that because that's what it took to get it in the first place. That's what it has taken to keep it. And if we lose it, that's what it'll take to get it back. I guarantee you. So, I saw Biden coming a mile away last year. I was not going to take any chances on whatever gun control they thought they were going to push on us. And last September or October, I decided to not put it off any longer, and I applied for and obtained a concealed carry permit. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to take a sip of my tea here. So I obtained uh, a concealed carry permit uh, late last year. And now I, I obtained it legally, fair and square, I went through the proper channels to get it. I waited the proper, uh, you know, wait periods that are required. And I now have a pistol. So, now I, along with millions of other Americans, can contribute to the security of a state of freedom. Does that make sense? I can protect myself and others around me from those who would force their will upon us. And it really doesn't take too long to to get it. It isn't hard to obtain a uh, concealed carry 
license, all you have to do is go to your sheriff's office, you know, your sheriff's department, and um, they'll have, and I think you may even be able to, to find this form online according to your state, um, but what they do is um, they give you a form, it's very extensive, you know, they ask for personal information, driver's license number, um, uh, citizenship status, um, if you have a rap sheet, you know, if you have any run-ins with the law, they ask you about that. It's very extensive. They do a background check. They take your fingerprints. And then, um, in a couple of weeks, if you meet the criteria, if you are approved, they send you your concealed carry permit. And at that point, it's legal for you to do that. So I, I urge you to claim this right because throughout history, there have been times when citizens have been forced to give up their weapons, their protection, and it doesn't end well when that happens. It never ends well. But, so, so you need to do that. I can't stress this enough. You need to do this. Even if you don't carry it every day. I don't carry my pistol every day, which you'd better believe that I have it on me. And... You'll never know when I will and when I won't. And I probably should carry it more often than I do. But the fact that I have it now is security for me. Because no one will ever take it away from me. No one. Over my dead body. Literally. Over my dead body. And actually, in my state of Washington, it's legal for me to open carry. I don't have to have a concealed permit. I can have a gun in a holster on my side, visible, and I can do that legally. As long as I'm a law-abiding citizen, of course. But I urge you to claim that right. <clears throat> okay, now, um, the next thing I want to talk to you guys about is the right of the people to vote. And this one is actually covered by multiple uh, different amendments. And we've talked about making our voices heard by contacting our government through calling, emailing, letters, you know, things like that, and responding to them. But the way that we can put teeth behind this is to vote. The 15th Amendment says, the right of the citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. The 19th Amendment states the right of the citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged on account of sex. And the 26th Amendment says the right of the citizens of the United States who are 18 years and older to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of age. So anyone who is an adult, law-abiding citizen of the United States can vote. Now, of course, again, you know, again, it helps to be a, a law-abiding citizen. But there is literally no reason for you not to vote. Women, you can vote. Men, you can vote. Young people, 
You can vote. Older people, you can vote. So do it. They, they said, if you are a man, vote. If you are a woman, vote. They hit everything right on the head. You have been given everything in this country. The fact that anyone in this country can vote puts the power squarely on our shoulders. It does. And if you don't see it that way, there's not a whole lot that I can tell you. Compare, compare those amendments and compare the idea of common people, of everybody voting, to what was the, the um, uh, to what was present, a present form of government in that day. What was it? A monarchy, which we still have today. So, what is a monarchy? Well. You can't vote, I can tell you that. In a monarchy, you don't get to choose the king or queen very often, if at all. In a monarchy, you are born into it. You are married into it. You ascend to it. You kill to get it. You wait to get it. There's a line of succession through, like I said a minute ago, through birth, through marriage, okay? People don't have a choice in a monarchy. And so the fact that they gave your average, every ordinary, every, uh, your ordinary, everyday citizen the right to choose who would be leading them, regardless of age, gender, or previous uh, status, servitude, is amazing. And we've got to claim that right. Um, if you don't vote, don't complain about who is elected. So my, the first year that I was able to vote, um, was in 2016, where Donald Trump and, uh, Hillary Clinton were in the runnings for president. And, you know, that was the first year that I, that I was legally able to vote. And I did. You'd better believe I did. I voted for Trump. Okay? You literally have zero excuses not to vote. The Founding Fathers helped remove every excuse that would bar a law-abiding citizen from voting. Your candidate may not win, but you still need to do your duty. Um, one step further from that is not just voting, but running for government offices when there's an opening, when you see a need. Give these people a run for their money. I don't know about you, but I think we need some young blood in our government today. We need some new ideas, some new faces, some new people, and we need it badly. And you don't have to be a politician to become a politician. Well, what do I mean by that? Okay, so my dad, and I agree with this, my dad is of a mind that every single politician, from Congress down, needs to have a day job. They can be politicians when Congress is in session, and then the other half of the year, 
however long. They're only in session like 180 days a year or whatever, but they need to have a day job. They show up when Congress is in session, and then they go back to their day job. You may be a doctor. You may be a grandparent, a parent, a lawyer, a grocery store clerk. You may have to start at the bottom and work your way up, but that's Therein lies the greatness of this country, is that it can be run by people who were once ordinary citizens. Donald Trump proved that to everyone, okay? It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. Donald Trump was not a politician. He was an entrepreneur. At one time... He started at the bottom. At one time, he didn't have a whole heck of a lot to his name. Okay, so he proved that anyone can be president. Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin, for goodness sakes. And he became one of the greatest presidents this country has ever known. He freed the slaves. He brought us through the Civil War. Anyone in this country can aspire to the highest office in the country. So, if you have a genuine interest in improving things in your state, and you can be committed to listening to and working for the people, I urge you to run for office. And if you win, carry out your duties as your office prescribes. Stick to stick to what the office is supposed to be. Stay in your lane, so to speak. Do what your job tells you and not what you think it should be or not what you want it to be. Don't overstep the boundaries because we have far too much of that today and this is where it's gotten us. We have so many politicians who are overstepping their office, doing things that are illegal for them to do, and no one runs against them. No one stands up to them. Oh, we're starting to. Yeah, we're starting to, but there's still far too much of it, and it's still going on. In my county, um, this is probably two or three years ago, in my county, we have a commissioner who has been running unopposed, and when it came time for the election, um, there was no name next to his on the ballot. He was it. It was either him, or you write in your own name, or you write in the name of somebody else or whatever, because they give you that option. But he was the only one printed on the ballot. And my brother refused to vote for him because he is not doing a very good job as county commissioner. My brother refused to vote for him, but he also refused to leave that space empty. He refused to be passive about it. He wrote in, my brother wrote in his own name. <laughs> he wrote in his own name underneath the county commissioner's name. And um, I said, dude, do you realize that they may come knocking on your door. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. No, do you realize that you may be the county commissioner for the next couple of years? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have put, put my name down if I wasn't sincere 
about wanting to serve, and he was prepared to do that. He didn't win, of course. Our our commissioner was incumbent, unfortunately, but um, it is not that hard. I have heard several stories of, kind of like I listed off before, grandparents, parents, ordinary people who have run for offices who were not who were being held by people who were not doing their job and they won and they're trying to turn things around now for the better so give these people a run for their money they are not untouchable they are not untouchable they are not irreplaceable though they'd like to be don't be afraid to do that so there's um the steps that you can take arming yourself voting, running for public, you know, offices, government offices, supported by the 1st, 2nd, 15th, 19th, and 26th Amendment, as well as probably others. Okay, so get out there. Let's not be passive. I've said that several times because I mean it. Don't be passive. Take some action. Take one of these actions Challenge yourself. Do it. Because you'll be surprised what you are capable of. And if we all take action, you'll be even more surprised what we're capable of. Alright. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope it wasn't too boring. <laughs> I'm not trying to preach at you guys. I'm just trying to bring you information and offer suggestions and... This is, of course, my opinion. My opinion is that we should do this. But there's also legal grounds behind my opinion. So, I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm going to try to be bringing you guys um, some more episodes and get some of this stuff like that out there. Because um, talking about it is one of the best ways to inform ourselves about it and to remove some of the mystery and some of the fear and some of the helplessness behind some of this stuff. So with that, um, I'm going to go ahead and close out this episode and I will see you guys later.